Y'all, we took a little break there, spring break. Well, I think Tim was only only one on break, went to Mexico or something. So it was tight. <laughs> it's tight, but we're back. Uh, got another great guest with us today. We got Mr. Jason Borgstead with us. What's going on, Jason? Just got back from snowboarding and snow skating. Snowboarding so, and snow skating—that's what's up, man. Yeah. Can't stop, won't stop. Dope, man. Warmer weather too. Was it once once you stop, you can't stay stopped. <laughs> yeah, it was a little bit slushy. We were out at Hillburg. I went there yesterday to help them with their uh, military event they do every year, their slope style. And um, they told me oh, we're having our slush cup, so I thought oh, I'll try to stick around for that. Went out there with uh, the original nice Gordon, and uh, yeah, we just ripped up some snowboarding and then got the snow skates out. It looked like there was a lot of younger kids at the contest. Yeah, there's a. It, they probably had a. What do you call it? Probably the older crew got shipped off. Oh you know, yeah. Every couple of years they're moving, so you get guys for a couple of years in there, unless they're the young kids, which are maybe their parents are around. But yeah, yeah, they're there for a few years, and then they tend to move on, unless they, you know. Sticking around is not necessarily the norm, but yeah, for sure. I'm speaking from complete inexperience, <laughs> so I'm just kind of going by the by the gist they gave me about it. All right, on. So, uh, if you guys don't know, Jason's been involved in the scene up here for a long time, twenty plus years. I don't know, maybe thirty plus. I'm not sure, but uh, I don't know, man. Pretty much, how did it all start for you? I mean. How'd you get into the snowboard and skateboarding thing? Skateboarding started, I'm going to say, I think 1984, I got my first board. What was your first board? And since I'm only 25, that's really weird. But <laughs> 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 it happened then. But, uh, so that, my mom was dating this guy who had a little gas station and a tow truck company in Ventura, California. I grew up in Oxnard, California, and uh, so we were, she was dating this guy, and we were living with him, and um, he was right next door to one of these early adopter VHS places. You know, this is when VHSs were first coming around, really, and getting popular. It was a little hole in the wall, and next thing you know, it blew up, and overnight, this guy, uh, Salzer's video, turned into this huge, huge video place or VHS place. So we'd go over there and check it out, and one Friday night we were walking through the place, and um, I don't know how it happened, but it just caught my eye as, uh, I don't know, I was probably like eight or nine-ish at that point. Uh, I saw a Future Primitive, uh, which is the second Bones Brigade video ever, and I just said, oh, that looks cool, can we rent that? And so my mom rented that, and I uh, think immediately bonded with Lance Mountain, <laughs> or Lance Mountain's character, persona, all that in there, because I was a bit of a clown myself, and uh, but I was also enamored by this skateboard thing. I was like, wow, this looks awesome. I don't, I don't know what it is, but it looks super cool, and I asked for one for Christmas, and uh, that Christmas I got an action sport kamikaze, which is 
you know, like maybe a higher end version of a of a Walmart type. So it was like it was like Nash in that yeah. period. I yeah. mean, Action Sport was okay. They were um, they weren't up there with a Bones Brigade type thing, but they were something. They were they were good enough to get by. Yeah. And at that point, I didn't know anything from anything. I was just cool. I got it, and I got that board, and I didn't even try tricks really on it for the first year or two that I had it. It was my dog pulling me around to the store and back, and I was on the thing all the time. But it was just getting pulled around, and uh, eventually I started to think, "Oh, cool! I'll try this acid drop." I didn't know what it was called or anything, but I'd see in the video these guys starting to look into street skating, and I didn't know anything about a ramp, so. I uh, saw them jump off things with the board in their hand and throw it under their feet. I was a little scared to do that, so I'd go to the park and do it off a little wooden post into the grass so I didn't have to worry about rolling away. Yeah. And then uh, I remember a skate shop popped up right by our place in Oxnard, my grandma's house. Um, I skated down there with basically ice cream money and got a clear six-inch strip of grip. I got a painter's cap. Uh, and a few <laughs> stickers, and I was like, "What? You know, like, what can I afford? What can I get with this right here? Give me everything I can get with what I've got here, you know." And so I got that clear grip with some indie stickers and different things, put it on the top sheet um, in that open space, you know. Yeah. And uh, some rip grip, got some of that on there on my rails, and I was set. And uh, then I got another board. I don't know. It's kind of a blur at that point. Cause did you was, return the D, the VHS or did you keep it? <laughs> oh no, we returned. Uh, <laughs> you know, to be honest, I most likely copied it. Oh, that you just <laughs> that was our jam back then was just copying VHS, so uh, pirating. So that served me right later in life when somebody copied JB Deuce videos. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, so I got another video of Hasoy this street style board from the the bike slash skate shop that was also in Oxnard and I don't know why I had two boards at that point I still wasn't trying to ollie or anything like that I didn't understand that side of it yet but shortly after that we moved to Alaska my mom uh, got remarried said hey we're moving to Alaska when summer's over pack your stuff let's go we hopped in a car drove up to alaska got here about a week into eighth grade starting which was 1988 for me and uh i went through that winter uh just saw sledding didn't know anything about snowboarding so i sledded with my stepbrothers up here and stuff and then uh that spring you know back then it was kind of segregated it was you had the jocks you had the skaters the preps uh, the stoners. I haven't heard that the was, word preps in so yeah, long. That was pretty much your groups, <laughs> you know? So I uh, kind of, sort of migrated towards the skater kids, was more involved in that side of things. And uh, so when spring came around, I was like, all right, I'm going to learn how to ollie and I'm going to get into this. And then uh, I learned how to crack a little ollie. Yeah, my cousin lived in Hawaii, uh, both of us single children. And so we would kind of alternate summers spending with each other and uh, have a little brother for the summer, summer brother. And so I went out there to Hawaii and uh, it was on. It was like, all right, let's skateboard. First day out of the plane, got in, dropped the bags, uh, headed down to 
town. He's like, I know where some skate stuff's at. Uh, I set my board down, saw a curb that was, when you're at home, a little bit bigger than Tim, from what I hear. Mm-hmm. Just kidding. That's uh, actually smaller <laughs> than that. No, it's, uh, <laughs> you know, like one of those baby curbs where it's just barely the concrete slab. Like you sh- I should have been able to roll my board up this thing, right? And I was like, all right, here's where I'm going to throw down this new ollie I got figured out. Somehow didn't clear that slam right away. So introduction to skating. Um, I don't know if it was that same day or a few days later. Also, went. I learned how to drop in that summer. I learned how to. I tried to do an axle stall and uh, on a janky quarter pipe they had made. Uh, slipped out, slammed my shin. Couldn't even skate home. Had to, and that was that was it. Introduction. You know, hey kid, meet the concrete. Do you want to still do this? Sure do. Let's keep going. You know, that's the defining moment for a lot of people. Some people like eat shit like that, and then they go, "Nope, not doing Duh. that ever again." <laughs> that's like what's what you know, how a lifer and someone who just does it for fun that separates them. Yeah. So obviously, I mean, up here in Alaska, it was real short season. So I mean, you really didn't get to skate that much. I mean, four or five months, dude. So like, when did you really get into snowboarding, like? So, yeah, so now I'm into skating. Uh, I kind of consider that my real skating, even though I was skating for years before that, just rolling. Yeah. Um, but realistically, I considered that when I started. That fall, I came home, saw a commercial. I think it was from G&B. I don't know who else it would have been. And for those of you who don't know, G&B was the first... Uh, I wouldn't... It, it definitely wasn't the first shop up here, but it was the first normal sized I think not in a garage type skate shop up here as far as I know my facts could be a little bit wrong there but when I started that was the spot and uh, I saw a commercial of a guy you know just riding through some pow uh, kind of in some flat area and I said I want to do that so your story and my story is the same. You saw it on TV and you're like, that's it. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's, that's all. story. <laughs> it was pretty much, it's actually, it was like an X Games thing when I was really, when I was young. And I was like, oh, that's awesome. Can I have that? I want that. <laughs> yeah. It was nowhere near. So yes, similar storylines, but the stuff I was doing was nowhere near as popular at that point. Yeah. I mean, I, I had to have gotten real lucky to see that commercial. Yeah. There was probably nobody doing it. So that uh, that winter came around, and I was like, cool, sledding, peace. <laughs> I'm good with sledding now. Um, that's no longer a thing. Now let's go snowboard. So we went down to Gary King, which used to be a sporting goods store here, a local Which pe- uh, people talk about store. that place still. Yeah, it's uh, it was a midtown area where Barnes & Noble is. Uh, but that was the big spot that sold everything. It was like your local everything sporting alaska all that stuff and uh we got a black snow for 50 bucks and my mom said all right if you can pay half of it we'll get it so just 25 bucks each (laughs) um and got this plastic board no edges no p-tex it's just molded plastic you know 
and I learned on a sledding hill in Eagle River, which uh, if you ever go over Highland exit and take the bridge going up, you'll see a walkway bridge just off to your right hand side when you go up a little electrical thing and a hill that used to go all the way down and you could sled out through that and not have to worry about cars coming or anything like that. And so that was the local sledding hill. Everybody was going there every weekend all the time. And so we took snowboard stuff there, and I learned how to get down it straight, no turning. And uh, probably then, couldn't turn very good on those boards, anyways. No, I didn't know what a turn was. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> this was like it was a, it was essentially like figuring out how to hill bomb on a snowboard. You're, yeah. you're standing up on this thing, and like I said, it's all a blur kind of. You know, you remember sort of doing it, yeah. but you didn't pause long enough to soak it in to say, "Oh, I can see how this binding works" or any of that yeah. stuff. It was just. Hey, I'm just a young kid flying by the seat of my pants. Put something under me. I'm going to try to stand up on it and go down a hill. We'll see what happens. So I did that. And um, as soon as I figured out how to get down that hill, I was like, all right, it's time to move on. And so I figured out how to sell that board for about the same price. Went to G&B. They used to sell used boards. Bought a $100 used board. And it was a uh, Kemper, right? GNU. That was a GNU? Yep. A new anti-gravity uh, pretty much picture your normal ironing board but about two feet longer that's yeah. about what you were trying to ride just a huge stiff plank you know you're putting it now you're taking this tiny kid and putting them on a 165 that doesn't bend almost an inch thick board crazy thing and trying to figure it out and now you have metal edges so first trip to the sledding hill I made about 10 feet, slam right to my face. Oh, welcome to edges. Welcome to metal edges. So, man, that was the introduction. That's pretty insane. I had the same problem, though. I got a, a Burton Air that was, like, way too big for me when I was a kid, and I didn't, we didn't know, and I, like, struggled for, like, four or five years to just turn. Like, I couldn't, yeah. I could barely do it. That's part of my preaching with the shop and you yeah. know obviously you know this because you're there all the time but when i tell people like when they go why should we go to the local shop and i say well preaching service announcement here <laughs> why your shop local <laughs> if you said i want to go play basketball and you went to Foot Locker and they put you in a pair of high heels and you went out and played basketball you'd be like this is fucking awful i don't want to do this anymore this doesn't seem fun at all so same thing pertains to snowboarding and skateboarding. If somebody's like, hey, I want to try this, and you put them on completely wrong equipment, set them up the wrong way, most likely they're going to have an awful time. Yeah. And they're going to say, I, why do I want to do this? And then you don't just lose, you don't lose a customer, you lose a lifer. You lose somebody who would have said, I love this thing, it's fun, I'm going to keep going. They quit. They just say, why do that again? I mean, it's not like, I mean, I don't know this personally because I've never drank smoke or done any stuff. I've been mm. straight edge forever. But, I have. I can I can tell you if it's real. <laughs> I've never heard anybody say I drank for the first time and I really liked it. Or I smoked a cigarette and it was super smooth first time. Everybody's like, <laughs> yeah. you know, they have this awful experience, but they, you know, they, they keep working and get past it. Well, snowboarding and all that kind of stuff's not like that. If you have a shitty experience your first time more than likely you're gonna go find something else to do so if you get set up on a board that's five times too long for you what's the chances that you're gonna 
I just wasn't gonna I just wasn't gonna quit yeah I was obsessed with it like I just wanted to do it so bad and I didn't really know why I just I just you know I had to do it some people it's just in your blood doesn't matter how uphill it is you're gonna climb it and just keep going but but yeah anyway that's that wasn't meant to be a commercial it just something that irks me a little bit no it's true it's like it's true man like tim said but like i don't know like i've I've been in zoomies before and then you can tell somebody's never went in there yeah you can tell somebody's (laughs) never rode a skateboard in their life and well i'm like checking out a pair of adidas shoes and they're like oh yeah oh you're gonna love the way these skate like i remember and these are this good i'm like man you never touched a like a skateboard in your life like what are you talking about dude and and like but I mean, I guess they're trained to sell like that or whatever. Well, they're but, good salespeople, but it's uh, not. But it's, I, could, I could just see, I could see how that's gonna turn somebody off from some because, I mean, they're feeding them this bullshit and then they get out there and it's really not what they thought they were getting. And well, it's like the equivalent uh, of like if you're a runner and you like are serious about marathon running or whatever it is. Like I have a specific foot shape. I'm not gonna go to Sports Authority to go buy my running shoes because I have a certain width, certain arch. I need it fitted. It has to be the right thing for my running so it's like it has to with skateboarding and snowboarding it has to be like that especially snowboarding more than skateboarding because you can get away with some stuff in skateboarding you know so you kind of riding just like solo when you first started did you you have yourself a little crew you're rolling with or no every once in a while i remember rolling up on a couple kids at the sledding hill and uh, i remember one time before i really had my stuff asking if i could borrow theirs and take a run and that was about it, but I was, you know, I was a only child. Uh, we moved up here right in that height, that critical point of making friends and all that, and uh, I certainly wasn't cool. Uh, we didn't have a bunch of money. There was not any of that stuff going on, and I had a pretty strict mom who wasn't going to be like, oh, yeah, cool, run the streets, do whatever you want. You know, it was pretty, pretty tight um, there, so... Uh, yeah, I was pretty much solo. Um, I on the skating side back then in Eagle River, small town anyway. Um, there was a handful of people that skateboarded. At period, I mean, you already had a very small amount of people doing it at all in that early '90s uh, time frame. So finding other people, it was pretty easy to spot whoever else was skating. You know, we basically wore a uniform that said, hey, I'm the sore thumb sticking out over here. Do you guys want to hang out? Uh, Cool. And you would gravitate towards each other. And uh, so I would find that crew to skate with. We all congregated behind the movie theater on this waxed curb. And that's where everybody was at. That spot was the movie theater was dope. And uh, so that was easy. Snowboarding was a little bit tougher. Because, uh, you know, you'd be lucky to get to go to Hilltop or something like that. But by that, as time started to go on, I found other kids around town that snowboarded as well. We started to form a little crew, uh, the Bombeck brothers and myself, Abe and Chris, um, formed a little group. And then there were other kids that were starting to form, like uh, Eric Jorgensen and uh, all these other kids. I'm, I'm forgetting a million names there, but... Um, and we started to congregate towards each other. We weren't really cool with the older dudes that were sick, but every once in a while you'd spot them at Hilltop in the pipe or somewhere like that, and you'd go, oh, you could tell they know what they were doing. And uh, But, yeah, it was. I've always been fairly solo style. 
I, I guess let's say it like this. I've never been afraid to to walk alone. Like a drifter. <laughs> oh Going down the only road I've ever known. <laughs> That's what's up. So, like, I don't know, man. Like, I've never been too into snowboarding myself, dude. I'm, I'm all about it. I don't know. You were pretty good. It. You almost front-boarded the, the flat down flat at East. Triple kink. The triple kink. You better not have done it with colored <laughs> bindings, though. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> oh, no, they were black union bindings. Okay. Now Sorry. Dylan, right. Dylan never snowboarded, and then I talked him into doing it because yeah. it was right when I moved here, and I we'd go to Hilltop, and they had like this. I think when you decided you didn't want to do it as much as when they've had the double culvert slide on the pyramid, and he was trying to do. We were trying to do front board two seventy. Like switch backboard. Oh, switch backboard two seventy, and he caught on the culvert and just yeah. went down you know what culverts can die <laughs> yeah <laughs> they can go away for all i care but he was decent he could have you could have done it if you wanted to yeah, i mean I'm, I'm down for snowboarding i just i can't afford it it's it's expensive dude and, and yeah but dude like i guess where i'm getting at is like i feel like i don't know kind of, kind of from what i've seen in videos and i mean i could be wrong but i really feel like a big part of like freestyle like snowboarding like streetboarding stuff like that kind of started up here could i be right about that or uh so what i would probably say about that it definitely didn't start here and my some of my first experiences with it were seeing it maybe on early mac dog movies yeah, yeah. but as far as what happened up here we were some of the first doing it. Um, so, I mean, I remember, I mean, if you watch our, I have old videos that I did long before Borderline. So, 92, 93, uh, there was, if you go to the, if you're heading from Eagle River up Eagle River Road towards Greening, or right around Greening High School, or Junior High, sorry about that, um, you can see that crosswalk over the road. Well, there's rails going all around the sides of those. And they used to have the connecting parts were a little bit lower, but I think they messed with that so we couldn't ride them. That was our rail garden. So the Bombex and I would, after school, all the time would be there. And, you know, we, something struck a chord with us in that whole jib movement. Uh, I mean, we were stoked on just snowboarding cool it was awesome old fall line movies um showed damian sanders and uh, that guy's so <laughs> steve graham and all these guys killing it free riding and doing all that and we loved it we were like that's sick but as soon as we started to see jib stuff something locked in and that's probably because i was a skater too and skating and snowboarding were uh helped each other because it allowed me to feel the same approach to stuff no matter what the season was uh you know like in the half pipe i would do this trick where i would ollie up as high as i could off of a small air but bash the uh like a like coming down on a disaster in a quarter pipe um and do that kind of stuff because i felt this way of these i was looking through these skateboard glasses at things you know um I wasn't trying, I understand the separation. I see them as different things, but if you have a mindset of a skateboarder or a snowboarder or something, you know, like I can't erase that when I'm doing the other thing. 
I think, oh cool, skateboarding, I really like that, I really associate with that. Uh, it, it doesn't matter how good you are at it, but if you, if you, um, if you feel that inside you when you're trying to approach stuff, then that comes out. And that was something that I really liked about snowboarding is that cool when the skateboard had to go away and it's cold and parking garages are all you have. Well, now I also have this other thing that's similar to that. I can approach with the same mindset and still enjoy. Yeah, I agree. Cause I always find it weird that there's like really talented skateboarders that are like, Oh, I don't like snowboarding. I'll, I'll never do that. It's just weird to me. And I'm like, you have no idea how similar like it, it is to in that aspect of like, it's a board and like rail tricks like it's the same movements i think they're way different activities oh they are but the mindset yeah you know like i said the best way i can describe it is putting on these goggles that have a skate filter in it and you're seeing it like that cool i like to lip slide across something like that i want to yeah, like do a, this that way and I like it this way, and those are the things that made it fun for me. I didn't just switch off skateboarding when put the thing away for the winter. Yeah, and um, you know, and I didn't necessarily just. I more switched off snowboarding, you know, probably because skateboarding was first. Probably because that was where my first influences were from. I'm not trying to sound core like well skateboarding sicker and it rules all and everything but realistically let's look at it the roots of it came from uh came from skateboarding yeah and snowboarding owes a lot of roots to skateboarding and owes a lot of roots to surfing and skateboarding owes its roots to surfing you know it started with surfing then it went to skating then it went to snowboarding and so uh, i'm not one of those guys who has to say like well I can only be this way or that way. On a side note, though, I did have a little bit of that attitude, though. You know, like uh, in the summertime, I would never wear snowboard company shirts. Oh, well, I do that too. I think it's I would weird. I wear skate stuff. <laughs> I don't. I still don't do that. Yeah. Like my all those shirts we get at the at yeah. the clinics. Like I only wear them during the winter because yeah. it's just like I can't skate with a ride. Yeah, yeah. I short do, sleeve. Not. It's like. That's weird. It like uh, messes with your head a little bit. So skateboarding is a little more leeway. I'm sorry I, I brushed over your earlier question about the the rail stuff. Uh, it definitely didn't get invented up here. Um, it was a lot of guys in Noah Selaznick and, and people who were skateboarders first. And like Rus- wanted, Russell Winfield did a lot that. of rails back then, right? Yeah, a lot of, lot of those guys all at once jumped on that style because they had skate roots mm. you know I, I really believe you'd have to ask each one of them but i believe it's a similar mindset and they said cool I'm, this is where our roots are we approach it like this and it's a whole it opened a whole new door to people you know why if you can put a rail on a hill all of a sudden you got a whole new thing to ride yeah and 20 different new tricks you can try to learn i always like those videos of like the old half pipe mini pipe contest and they'd put like the shittiest rail on the end of the or in the middle of the fucking quarter pipe and yeah. they'd like try and do it like it was an extension rail yeah dude so gnarly man so yeah so you're talking about like like you were making videos way before the whole borderline thing and jb deuce and all that man you, i've like, seen one of the first videos yeah can you tell me a bit about that like i mean how'd you actually like first get into filming and all that you know, I don't know what it is. I think it's... Uh, so I, I was thinking about that a little bit the other day. Um, 
is it just narcissism that makes us want to film ourselves? I'm sure there's a little bit of that in there. There's a little bit where you just want to see what it looks like from somebody else's perspective. There's a little bit of show off and anybody who's super core and says that they don't see any of that in there is delusional because (laughs) if you've ever picked up a camera and tried to film yourself, then you're trying to show off. You want somebody to see this. So go home. Shut up. You're not just uh, going to, it's even weirder yeah. if you film it and you keep it at home and only watch it to yourself. Yeah, yeah I, I do it. Like, I, watch, chub. I watch my one line in Evoke like a hundred times one night or like, <laughs> fuck it, man. Like, I'm stoked on it. Like, Dude, there's nothing wrong with being excited that you did something, you accomplished something, and uh, it was documented. But... Uh, so from the earliest point when I first was out in Hawaii, if we could get a parent somehow to record something or take a photo, I have these old uh, photos that, uh, do you remember the little, I forgot what they were called, but the roll of film was um, really small, it was longer, and it had two kind of circles on it. Yeah. I forgot that. what those are called, but the camera was like a rectangle about this thick. Yeah, I know what you're talking like about. That, and, Anyway, uh, I had my grandma take me around skateboarding and just asked her to take photos of me at different spots. And uh, she didn't know anything about skateboarding, but she was supportive. Cool, I'll do that. So I still have those photos sitting at home where grandma followed me around and took some pictures. And I was, I was so happy. And now I'm even more happy that I have that to be able to look back on and, and go like, wow, look what we wore back then. Look what tricks we were trying. And, I don't know. I feel I feel like when I was a kid, uh, like the whole thing with filming was, I don't know, like I watched videos and I was like, man, like that's what I want to do. Like I want to be in a video. And then you just like start skating with your homies and actually just filming tricks. But it's kind of like almost normal in skateboarding to like film, you know? Well, like I said, my first introduction to skateboarding at all was a video. Yeah. was a video compiled of people's sick tricks, having fun edited music to it all this stuff that makes it an appealing package so when we got a chance to skateboard ooh, film 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 and then uh, back then that was about the time when VHS cameras were starting to pop up and if you don't know what that is it's like a shoebox with a, a rocket lens, launcher you know <laughs> yeah and we would carry this I would and it was in one of those big briefcase type things uh, minus the handcuff for my wrist and um, we would take this shoebox size thing out, take it out snowboarding sometimes, take it out skateboarding, um, whatever we could to film each other skating. And then as we started to get a little bit better and actually land some tricks, uh, then the Bombex and I would film each other all the time on the rails and at Arctic Valley and uh, wherever we could. And then at the end of that senior year I came back in the fall after I graduated and we put all that stuff together and made our first video it was called Against the Grain and it was uh, it was a train wreck dumpster fire to say the least (laughs) (laughs) you guys do the like tape to tape editing all that yeah it was a linear editing machine but uh, so we had an awesome woodshop teacher who kind of saw the writing on the wall and um funny story is I fell asleep in his metal shop class first day of high school and he sent me right off he's like get out of here you derelict and uh, it sent me to the office and uh, but right after that I came back and understood he just expected something from you and 
Uh, so I put in a, a good amount of effort, and he rewarded that with a lot of help. Um, so on a side note, this guy helped me build a skate box in uh, out of wood stuff that he had. Let me skate it. Let me come out and skateboard in the hockey rink behind his shop class at lunch. So in high school, I could go back there and skate by myself. Um, this box I had forever and skated that in my yard. And uh, then he, like I said, he saw the writing on the wall of wood shop and metal shop in the early 90s. Like, hey, this is probably getting played out. Technology is the way to go. So he started getting technology equipment in the shop, meaning some cameras or some editing equipment and stuff. So we did linear editing. Uh, for those of you who don't know, it's essentially tape to tape. It's just a, a cooler looking little board that we had to do that with. And uh, he would let us use that equipment. Uh, after school, we could come in, edit, or edit uh, video stuff on that, and we put together this video. But back then, if you changed anything, in the middle it left this gap of static and then it would move on so you have this whole <laughs> opening credits and as soon as the song's just about to kick off it's like just about to hit that crescendo of music to go boom you know and then write static and then for about 10 seconds and then it gets in and cuts in so you miss the whole excitement of the first thing but regardless um, he let us put together that video somehow i think i had three songs <laughs> in my part so because we filmed everything uh i had my first knee surgery in there and all that stuff and then scott liska because we were team riders for borderline let us uh show it right before a real movie premiered uh that he was showing at a coffee shop so back then you didn't have so much of a local movie scene at all or any any scene at all so you would show professional movies uh in the fall sell tickets to that and get everybody excited and stoked for winter so scott let us show that first burtner i think also showed his movie that him and his friends made and then that's when him and i started to talk and then a couple years later we came together and decided to start making a movie that's sick. And so that was just the, the beginning of JB Deuce thing. So yeah, that's dope, man. Like, so like, how do you think you got in, involved with Borderline and all that? Was it just you just shredding hard? I mean, they just noticed you out there, decided you put you on a team, or were you just like hanging out, or what? Uh, I was a little more proactive than that. I don't think I have any of these amazing stories where I was just doing my thing and somebody walked up and said, "Hey, here's a fat contract, dude. You're awesome." Um, with Borderline, it was simply being involved. Uh, the shop opened, so we were there all the time. And uh, as soon as, I, as as often as I could get a ride to Anchorage to go check out the store, I was there because it was like walking into Willy Wonka's Chocolate Factory. Whenever you walked into a skate shop, there was none of this. Inter there was no internet at that point, so if you wanted to see something, you saw it in a magazine or you saw it at the shop. You walk into a shop and you go, oh. you know, you see all these cool wheels and you see these snowboards and everything was super cool. And you just got to check out everything that you wanted to, you know, you didn't know was there, but now you get to see it in person. So I started going to the shop. The shop would do events. Um, I would show up to the skate ones and suck. Uh, <laughs> I 
<laughs> you know, I mean, I've never been that good at skateboarding. Uh, yeah, you're, just, you're, you're pretty good back in the day. Eh, no, I wasn't. When not, I was not like, realistically compared to good people, I was. I busted my ass super hard to try to be at the bottom of the barrel. I mean, I'm just being realistic. I'm not trying to just be modest or anything. I mean, just realistically, like, I'm happy with the things I did on a skateboard. But, I mean, realistically, I mean, Eric Ellington grew up up here, and I remember watching him at jams behind Borderline, little contests. And I would say, like, 93-ish or somewhere around that zone. I mean, he switched three flipping on the quarter pipes and doing stuff like that. It, It just... Those dudes were, and they were so good and so far beyond that you didn't even really see them around. So you thought you were doing sick yeah. stuff, and then realistically, these other people were over here just crushing. His uh, his sponsor me tape from that around that time for H Street is on the internet. Yeah, you can find it, and he has like he's behind Ben Bokey skating the bank and skating yeah. like the ledge, and then he has this launch ramp, and he's doing backside five forty bigger spins off of this launch ramp. Yeah. And wearing like you know the hat with the baggy T-shirt and the long shorts, and you're just like, what the fuck? Like today, even that would be like insane for most people to do, like off of a ramp like that. So it's yeah, that shit's nuts. I can't I can't believe half the stuff you guys did back then on those boards and the ramps. <laughs> it's like ridiculous. I, I got sidetracked from your question as I usually do, and just start running my mouth. But what I was gonna say was, I just went to a lot of events that Borderline put on. Uh, and in the snowboarding fall, you'd do trampoline contests. And Which all we this need to stuff. have one. Yeah. For sure. Uh, and I did whatever I could. And then I started competing in USASA stuff and just started showing up. And then I started being around those guys and you'd get to know them because they were all doing those contests too. And you start to talk and then you say, hey, do you guys have a team? What's going on? And I remember walking in and having a distinct conversation with Jay Liska, who was the man because he was a pro snowboarder as well as um, the shop owner originally. And I went in and said, oh, I want to get sponsored. And uh, he said, well, what do you do? And I was like, well, I want to get sponsored for free riding. He's like, they don't sponsor people for that. You got to win some contests. So then it was. (laughs) back then that's how it was you had to do contests as many as you can you had to race put the hard boots on and try to do that Gross. You, had to, uh, <laughs> you had to do uh, half pipe that was the only freestyle thing going at that time and so i started to get some results and then i remember calling up one time and saying like uh, i knew i had to buy a board for the winter and but i knew they were kind of considering me for the team and uh, there's a discount that comes with being on the team. So I was like, hey, uh, do I, um, uh, did you decide if I'm on the team or not? And they're like, uh, I don't know. And he's, <laughs> and I was like, because I'm trying to decide whether uh, I'm going to buy my board. And uh, I mean, it wasn't like I wasn't going to buy a board. but um, You're just trying to come Jay, up. <laughs> Jay going, it was either Jay or Scott was on the phone, and they went to pull the phone away and talk to the other one. I was like, hey, you know, Jason, you want to put him on the team? Yeah. All right. Cool. Let's go. <laughs> and they're like, cool. And I, then I went in and bought my board with the discount, and that was it from there on. Um, and yeah, it just became this. Uh, I don't. I don't want to say cultish. That's the wrong word. But it was. You just fell in love with your local thing that was going on. This was our scene, and. It was magical. 
and everything in our universe revolves around it. So, uh, you know, you had the guys behind the counter one day and then at the contest you'd see them ripping and you saw them everywhere. They were living that lifestyle and you just wanted to be every part of it that that was there. I want to be in that shop. I want to ride for that shop. I want to be around these people. And it, it was just a magical thing that drew you in and uh, made you fall in love with it. I mean, if you, we were already obviously in love with skating and snowboarding and this just was a whole new realm of it that just made you head over heels about the whole scene. Your, your getting on the team story is so similar to mine. It's ridiculous. <laughs> they did the, the same same shit, Scott. Huh? You, you fucking rip? All right, cool, you're on. Grab some shit, get the fuck out. And you're like, what? You're in, dude. Yeah, that shit's wild. Those so guys were the best. So do you think that, like, with you getting on Borderline, do you think that, like, really opened the door up for other things as far as, like, maybe future sponsors you had and stuff like that? I mean, were they type of guys that were actually you know talking to people i think it was so we got this different a little bit so the next year uh, after the first year i was on there the next year i bought a morrow spoon nose from those guys and then the board broke right away and they just gave me another one and basically we're like they had a really good relationship with morrow and they're like cool this kid's pretty good um just give him another board put him on the board and get him going yeah but there was not, no, they weren't really facilitating the next level for us. Um, they were, you know, I mean, those guys were busy d- building our scene up. Uh, and, and hopefully people like Rick Malone and those guys don't take offense to that because it has an asterisk by it. The scene was so much further rooted than that, but that was when our scene really exploded. Borderline really put it on the map in a grand level. And they took what all the, the, the seeds that those early guys planted with all their work and, and um, dedication to skating and snowboarding and made that blow up into something huge. So, um, But no, uh, I had to pursue that. And the funny thing is um, I tried to get on Burton because whatever reason, I was from sports background previously. So you wrestled and played baseball, right? That I did. Uh, so I was a real big baseball player in California. Uh, I moved up here in the spring. I punched a kid in the face at school and broke my hand, got a boxer's fracture. And uh, so I couldn't play the beginning of the season. And uh, I decided, okay, cool. Well, I'm just going to skip that then, and I'm going to go skateboard in Hawaii, spend the summer out there. And that once I really that was the summer I was like cool I'm gonna ollie I'm gonna do all this stuff went out there skated and team sports was over so punching the kid was was totally worth it pretty much yeah I would say (laughs) you never know it could have could have really taken me down a different path I mean I'm not really advocating that you should punch somebody so it takes you to a better place but uh, unless Damn, you wanna, I wish it would sometimes. I mean, maybe for Dom. <laughs> yeah. Maybe for uh, if you're into MMA. But um, I definitely don't advocate just punching people. Um, but back to that side of things, it definitely took me down a different path and let me focus on that skating stuff. I still did wrestling up here because, I, you know, I was introduced to wrestling through gym class when I moved up here, something we didn't do in California. And... Uh, Something about 
being a young, young angsty male to be able to be a, get your aggression out like that, be able to essentially be allowed to fight with somebody else in and not get and, in trouble and not get in trouble <laughs> and not have hard feelings afterwards. It was, it was like a uh, uh, like a hundred pound version of Fight Club, you know. <laughs> so you got to do that and it's all about this uh imposing your will on somebody else in that manner you know you and then they do it to you too so you know i mean i wasn't that great at it i was good enough to be middle of the road but and i got served all the time and but it teaches you another good lesson it, it i think it's probably just like kids who get into martial arts when you do wrestling or something like that it teaches you to feel confident because you know you can handle yourself in situations that you wouldn't have prior to that yeah so i think it was a good thing for me uh until middle of high school when i found myself lying to the coach because there was a powder day at arctic valley on a wednesday and i told the coach <laughs> i went in with this other kid on the wrestling team who skied and we were like, uh, my mom needs us to help move some stuff to Anchorage, so we got to go after school today. We can't do wrestling practice. And then we just booked up to Arctic Valley and rode POW all day. And that was when I realized, well, you know, I should probably just say goodbye to wrestling because that's not where my heart's at. Uh, let's just dedicate to the stuff you're passionate about. Yeah. Unfortunately, the wrestling coach was my homeroom teacher, so I had to look him in the face the rest of high school and yeah. deal with that. But I don't remember where we were going. I just get, talking. I guess talking about you trying to get sponsored. You oh, said yeah. you wanted to be on Burden at first. Yeah, sorry, man. I am the king of tangents. Uh, just head off in another direction. You know, I think he gets the crown for you. He should use that song. The Run DMC song. <laughs> you talk too much. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> Um, so I wanted to get sponsored. I wrote the Burton rep a letter uh, asking to be sponsored, saying like, hey, here's what I've, you know, you kind of send a little resume, you present yourself, hey, this is what I'm about, um, so on and so forth. And he wrote back and, and I told Scott Lisk about it and he was like, well, we don't sell Burton. What good does that do to have, us, have you on Burton? And I was like, oh, I guess you're right. That doesn't help much. And so that guy denied me, though. Um, so probably good luck there. And I kept that letter. So sorry. Yeah, competitive. I wanted to do the best I could at stuff. I was cool with being in competitions and stuff. And um, so I went for Burton because I saw Burton as like the pinnacle of snowboarding at that time. So you want to go for the best thing and be a part of the best thing. Um, I wrote to them, got denied, um, kept the letter, still have it to this day, saying, sorry, couldn't bring you on the team. That was just the regional rep, and he's like, nah, sorry, you're not that rad. And um, <laughs> and then Borderline started to carry Burton, and a year later, I think I went to Nationals and had Rick Malone introduce me to the team manager, and he's like, yeah, I'll keep an eye on you while we're here. And he watched me. And then that summer, I graduated high school. I went to Mount Hood and worked as a digger at High Cascade. And they said, cool, when you go out there, we have a Burton house. We'll make sure you get on boards to ride for the summer. And uh, so they would just loan me out boards to ride. And then by the end of the summer, I remember I uh, 
back then we didn't have cell phones or anything, so you'd have to get your calling card out and <laughs> call on the that's my on the pa- That's my password for almost everything is my old calling card. No yeah. one will ever guess it. <laughs> <laughs> so I would di- I dialed this guy up, and I was like, uh, hey, um, so... Um, his name was Mike Lavecchia and I was like, Hey Mike, uh, yeah. So I just, you know, I was down here and, uh, wondered how things were going, what you guys thought of stuff. And, and he's like, yeah, Jason, um, well, I think we're actually going to put you on the factory team. And so after I dropped the phone and picked it up again and, <laughs> and uh, I was super stoked and, uh, I got to kind of skip that regional rep rider type thing. And they put me on a factory. That didn't mean money or anything. It just meant, you were dealing with actual Burton. So you skipped the rep. the rep. Yeah. So you didn't have to do any of that stuff. Not really, no. Man, so that was so uh, lucky. Yeah. <laughs> I wouldn't say it's luck. I, I mean, there's a bit of luck to it, but really it boils down to I rode hard every day, all summer long. Yeah. Uh, I was friendly with people, um, had a decent attitude with those guys. And that's, that's where it goes. You yeah, know, you didn't. You know, I didn't pester people. I didn't do any of that. I just shut up and I rode every day hard, and they noticed, and it and it moved me forward. And um, so I got on that situation. I came home that fall. I got my first box of stuff, and uh, yeah, man, I still have the first jacket I got from those guys, and uh, one of my first boards from them. So yeah, that was the story of how I got on there, and I had to kind of facilitate my own sponsorships from after getting on uh, borderline damn that's sick dude so like i don't know i could only imagine how stoked you would have been them telling you you're gonna get on that factory team dude were you just like blown away that they just you just got to go skip skip over that or what yeah i was probably young enough and ignorant enough to not really understand i knew it was a big deal just the term factory team at that point i mean i think that's when oakley had uh, stickers that said factory pilot and you kind of understood that a little bit you know but you I was just focused on snowboarding and I thought sponsorship would be cool but nobody mentored me in that nobody took me aside and said this is how it's gonna be so keep your eyes open or anything you, you were just kind of going and taking it how they gave it to you and nobody really mapped out hey this is how it normally goes I figured that out later you know, I figured out, oh, cool, rep team and all that. But I did realize I skipped over a step, and that was cool. But I don't think I had any idea that that was as big of a deal as it – I don't even know if it was that big of a deal. But it was – it felt good, you know. It's a little bit of an ego boost. You're like, oh, wow, man, that's cool that you think that I'm good. and Because uh, they could have just as easily said, cool, pass. And you would have you would have done your best to keep – a good attitude and keep moving forward. My world wouldn't have been crushed at that point. I mean, I'd already gotten a no letter from that guy saying you suck. Not in so many words, but he basically <laughs> said, dude, you have nothing to show me. Yeah. No, I'm not going to give you stuff. And I'm like, cool. I'm just going to keep going. Kind of almost like drives you more. Because that happened to me a long time ago. Mike Sinclair said that I skated too slow and that I needed to skate bigger shit when I was young. And I was like, oh, damn same it. thing I tell you every time. Well, yeah, you, you <laughs> and you and Dylan, actually. I don't think I tell you slow. I think what I tell you is that I see bigger potential for you. I look at a lot of people, and I, I, I grew up in this Rocky era. 
You know, where you see some guy getting pounded into oblivion and he perseveres. He doesn't quit. It's all heart. And so that's kind of my life's viewpoint. And I look at potential more than I look at a lot of other things. So I see Dakota and Caleb and uh, and Tim and people like that. And I really try to give these impassioned pleas to them to say, hey, don't settle for what you think is good. Push beyond that because you're capable. You never know what you're capable of. I'll never even know what I was capable of. I can see in my own career that I could have pushed harder. I mean, I felt like I was pushing at the time. I was pushing, but you could always have pushed harder. And now that that time in my life is gone, I'll never get that chance to push in that way in that situation again. And I don't want these guys to miss out on that, you know? And Tim's getting at a point where he's starting to mention how old he is all the time, which you can tell from his skating and stuff, he's not old, but when you start talking yourself into that every day, then you will get old fast. And so what I'm always telling Tim, not so much of speed up or anything, but I'm like, go bigger, push yourself to do tougher tricks because you have it in you. So do it. You know, you need to get over the ego of saying, hey, I want to be able to land this a bunch in front of people. You need to be willing to you need to be willing to have everybody go home that night and go, dude, that guy, I saw that guy at the park today sucks. And know, okay in your heart, that it doesn't matter what they thought because you were practicing and you were getting to a new point. You just had to take these lumps and these tough steps. You know the journeys on there. Um, that, that, that kind of thing happened to me at Squaw Valley. Squaw Valley, where I would move to in the winter, was our was that there was a chairlift that had two jumps in it in a row and it had the lift going right by it and it was the snowboard version of a cherry park or something like that you know it was the spot and any given day half the pros you would see in video parts or big air contests were hot lapping these two jumps and um and practicing their tricks and trying new stuff or whatever it was but uh, and I was trying to learn, I don't remember what the trick was, uh, but I was trying to learn something that wasn't that that uh, technical or anything. It was just a different grab on a style of thing that I wanted to learn that I wasn't good at. And I kept slamming and slamming. And uh, uh, Ben Hinckley, who was a teammate from Burton, went up and he was like, dude, I, you, man, good for you for slamming all day and not caring about it. And I could have taken that route where I worried about what I look like in front of everybody, or I can say, I don't care what I look like. What's gonna matter is when I go out to film or when I go out to do a contest, I'm gonna have this figured out. And then that's when it's gonna matter. You know, what you guys think today doesn't matter. That's, it's one day, it's a it's a, just a little glimpse of what I'm doing. And uh, I try to get that across to others. Um, and hope that they can see that bigger picture. If you want to push your skating or snowboarding to the best you can be, then you just have to drop the ego at the door and, and say, I don't care who thinks I suck. Exactly. Like, I feel like like I'm 34 years old, and, and, and I do feel like I'm past that age where I get sponsored for skateboarding, but, like, I'll find myself at the skate park and 
trying the hardest possible trick I can do. And I might not land that shit like all day long. And then it's like you say, like, there's almost, I almost feel like the skateboarders are there hot lapping, I guess. <laughs> talking about on a snowboard and, and like landing everything, dude. But like, I'm, I'm still satisfied at the end of the day that I'm 34 years old and, and you know, I'm trying my best to progress, even though I may feel like there's no future in it for me anymore. But well, it's not even about having a future. I mean, why do you start doing it to begin with? Because I love it. It's like how Jason said, like, it wasn't really, like, the whole point wasn't to, like, get the contract. It was just this thing that happened while you were doing what you were doing, you know, and people take notice of it. And it's some people, I mean, like, dudes that do all the contests you know like Jaeger Eaton's a perfect example he had the ability to do that stuff because he had a skate park and went to all the contests and that's his like life but that's not why you start skateboarding to begin with you do it because you want you love it and it's like fun and you have great friends and none of that other stuff really in the long run really matters well the love comes a little later I mean I didn't love it the first time I got on the board I I was like cool this is fun and then that develops into love for it. But um, I tried to figure out a way to just focus on being the best I could be. That way, I've always got a goal. doesn't matter if it's, you know, like at 43 now, I can figure out how to try to be better today than I was yesterday. And that can still be a goal. Whereas if you set your goal at like, cool, I have this level of money or something or I want to win this or whatever and that's my pinnacle goal, once you do that, then you can become bored or over it or burn out or whatever. And uh, if you just figure out how to make it all about improving yourself every chance you're given, then you can have more fun with those those challenges that you encountered when you first started you know when you first started you suck you try to do a trick you can't do it all day long but you keep at it because you're you're facing that challenge it's an obsession really when you're like when you're at that point as a kid and you're like you're trying over and over and over there's i mean who who did that interview where they said you can pick up a oh chris haslam said anybody can pick up a basketball and throw it into the hoop right you can learn how to do that really easy, but to do like any crazy skate trick, it takes days, months. Sometimes you won't even do it that summer. You have yeah. to come back to it. Let's stop just for a second here and let's put this out there in the air. For anybody who thinks that basketball or golf or tennis or baseball is some uh, miracle of physical uh, perfection, um, of dexterity, or things like that, and they think that that's above skateboarding or snowboarding, uh, is completely delusional. And they can go to hell because <laughs> they don't get it. Yeah. You know, I, I, and, and that's not to take away from the skill very super skilled athletes very athletic people but you in none of those instances do you have to have the um, physical coordination that it takes to do what high-level skateboarders and snowboarders do 
Yeah. And if you want to argue that, please feel free to come by the shop anytime. We can get into that about how you need to take medication because you're insane if you think that what Daywan does on a skateboard can be duplicated by Tom Brady. If Tom Brady spent his entire life doing that, forget about it. You know, yeah. and there's so few people in the world that can do it compared to these athletes. You know, Day One's like one of those special dudes. That's what I'm getting yeah. at, though. If yeah. you take the top of the top in any of those sports versus the top of the top, you want it. I mean, you, people can hate on Sean White all they want. To do what he does in a half pipe is unreal. Yeah. Most snowboarders can't touch that. So yeah. for you to think that you can fly 20, if Jordan thought that somehow he could figure out how to fly 22 feet out of a 22 foot half pipe uh, over and over and spin and flip three times and over in a row again and again and again and again, you're insane. Yeah. You know, try to compare that, what Sean White did in a half pipe or what any given dude does and I, I'm sure I'll get roasted by all the core street dudes so let's throw in some street dude like Danimals or something so any, anyway I'm with those guys too I'm putting them on the same level I'm using this huge name to make a point you know um, if you think that dunking from the free throw line is remotely close to what those guys are doing in a half pipe you're high <laughs> you're insane so anyway that's the end of that rant but, uh, I mean yeah. I feel the same way I mean I played basketball in high school and I played almost every sport except for hockey and football and I but it's like a skateboarding is so different like you can't just like you have to be so like have a, a crazy mind and be so gifted naturally to hop on it within like a year be like better than half the dudes in town you know like it's rare for that to happen but it's like you're right no one can just do it you I'm can't not just taking away from what no they are but it's LeBron, a different type of athleticism though, yeah you know LeBron is obviously a freak of nature in his abilities and his skill set and his athleticism but. Don't try to talk to me about how that's even close to what the best skaters do on a board or the best snowboarders. Dude, just Forget the ri just the risk alone. Like yeah, if you look at Nyjah's part, like all those rails could have like been oh, yeah. game mean, over. Nyjah, just forget about it. Show that to any of them. You know, like those guys cry when they fall three feet <laughs> onto the floor. <laughs> like a soccer fall? Yeah. Get out of here, dude. And that's daily, <laughs> you know? I just, oh, <laughs> like I, I feel like it. Like skateboarders and snowboarders are a little bit more accepted these days. But dude, but I, like I just, I didn't understand why we were so hated back in the day. Like I remember in probably 1996, dude. Like probably my second year skateboarding, being in middle school, and like, like I was I was going walking into the school, and two football players were walking out, and like instantly they were like oh. They're like, oh, what's up, faggot? Like, dude. <laughs> like, 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 what are you doing? You're going to ride your gay ass little skateboard? And, like, and I ended up, it, I'm like, you know, being a skateboarder is like. And also, like, Dylan being the kind of guy that used to whip everyone's ass back in the day. He would 
<laughs> don't talk shit well, to him when he was a kid. These guys, man. <laughs> I got the living shit kicked out of me that day, dude. But I, I mean, I still went home with the satisfaction that I busted this kid's glasses into his face with my <laughs> skateboard, dude. And like, but now it's like more accepted. But I just never understood why they it, hated it, us so it, much, dude. Is it, it because they couldn't do what we were doing? No, like, it's it's human nature, dude. Well, so it, what's funny is the experience you had. Versus what I had, because by the time 96 came around, I thought, well, sick, they're finally accepting us all. <laughs> 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 because, yeah, it was nonstop skater fag, this, and it's all weird how it was all revolved around homophobia. Um, yeah, but, for sure. Uh, but, yeah, like, but you're right. So uh, a little bit of my theorizing on this is that it, it's different. It was not widely seen, and that was the point where we, we, I say collectively, uh, we started to dress a little bit more fringe, a little bit different, mm-hmm. and and I think that you could see the attitude of skateboarders. Uh, I'm just going to use skateboarders because snowboarding was a little bit later on, uh, but skateboarders in general basically had this attitude of like, cool, I'm going to do my own thing. I'm not as interested in what the mainstream cool thing is to do, and that's okay. I'm okay with this. And that, and at that time, that's why you saw a lot of artists in skateboarding and a lot of different people that were not so much embraced by mainstream culture going towards skateboarding. That was an area where the different people could be welcomed in. And yeah. The, the, there's something um, threatening to the typical cool kid at school that when they're you know we're all struggling at that age to figure ourselves out to figure out our place amongst everyone uh you know like there's no manual on how to be 13 or 15 or whatever around a bunch of people where you feel insecure you don't know what's going on you feel judged every minute of the day and so any ounce of cool that you have uh, you feel could be threatened at any point. And so if you're some jock guy who's like, cool, I'm obviously the cool kid. I date the hot cheerleader chick. Um, if that coolness is threatened by somebody walking by who doesn't care that you're cool, who doesn't give a shit, who doesn't value the same things that you value, walks by and puts it in your face that like, dude, I don't give a shit about your priority list. That's threatening. Yeah. Um, and, and so they backlash at that. And, and so myself, I can look at on the other side of the spectrum. When I was in those early ages, I knew that I was going in this straight edge direction. But and I, I aggressively put that out there. And I think it, when I look back on it and try to figure out why was I so aggressive towards it? Why was I so militant about it? And I think that's because I was trying to figure myself out and you push your own values out even harder because you're kind of trying to convince yourself at the same time as convincing everybody else. And so I'm trying to be like, oh, yeah, fuck drugs, fuck alcohol and fuck you if you do them. And uh, and and when I put that out there like that, I was reinforcing my own thoughts. You know, maybe I wasn't fully convinced. I felt like it at the time, but in hindsight, I can look back and try to pick that apart. And maybe that's why I was doing that. Maybe that's why I was so aggressive about it. Because now I don't care if you choose to do that or whatever. We can still be friends. But at that time, I was not going to allow myself to be surrounded by any of that. Um, 
I, I didn't want to be distracted by it. I just was so fucking in love with skateboarding and snowboarding 24-7, 100%. That's all I cared about. And I didn't want anything getting in the way of that. To not, stop not, you from... Not, not yeah. getting in the way of it as in... I don't want to be... Um, distorted when i go to do a trick and be a jock you know i'm not like that what i yeah. mean is i why would i want to go to a party and hang out with people trying to get their trying to gain their favor trying to look cool to them and get them to think i was cool when i could watch a skate video at home you know, that's how into it I was. You I would back rather, then is like me right now. Yeah, I would rather <laughs> watch or just just fucking dunk myself 100% drown myself in skating and snowboarding and my one or two friends that would feel the same all the time. And I didn't want anything distracting me from that. Yeah. And so, yeah, but that to your question, I think I think. It's all just us well, trying th- to figure life out. And, I think and no matter what pondering. generation that you talk about, like, because you're, you're t- 12 years older than me. Dylan's, what, four years older than me? And I, like, I feel like it doesn't matter what generation of skateboarding you came from, all that shit still happens. Because I had a similar thing happen. Walked in the first day of school. One of my really good friends from Fairbanks, her now ex-husband, I got into a fight with him the first day because of something like that. Because I was, like, the skater kid that was, like, I was stoked to be there. And I, like, I don't know what the whole situation was. But it's, like, human nature. When you don't understand something, it flows like water. It's not structured. It's not linear. There's no rules. You know, it's people don't, if they don't want to understand it, they won't. They will just push it away as much as they can. And that goes for anything. That goes for any, like, ideal you have in your life. Like, if they don't want to understand it. Then they just go, nah, fuck, that's whack. I don't want to do that. Like, you're get away from me kind of deal, you know? We're not that open as young people. No, not at all, We're not really. We're very open to stuff. We kind of grab a thought based on either what your parents kind of put in your head or your peer group, and anything else is lame. And it's just, you know, you can see younger people being super aggressive and aggro about so many things that don't mean anything. Because in 10 years, they won't even yeah, remember why that they felt that way about and, that thing. And I'm not saying that I wasn't the same way. I was super aggressive at that age. And, you know, you have all this pent-up stuff as a male that's, I don't know, unless you're unless you're just real meek, then you're trying to assert yourself. You're trying, I think there's something primal in that, that, that the the you have to survive you know when i when i went to high school i felt constantly threatened i felt like at any point in time a fight could break out with anybody that i walked by and you always felt this fear of like am i going to be able to handle myself am i going to be able and you're sizing everybody up and stuff and and i don't know it wasn't like it it ran my life and you couldn't function but you know, there was this idea that the older kids would trash you, you know, dump you upside down, put you in the trash bin and all yeah. these hazing things you hear about going into high school. And the dudes that were in uh, <coughs> seniors in the football and wrestling team looked enormous, you know, they looked <laughs> humongous. And I remember wrestling heavyweight was like 185, you know, so 
<laughs> that's not that big now. Uh, but, you you know, like it looked like giants. Like they look like NFL players. And you're like, I'm going to get crushed if I got in a fight with that guy. And he, so you're constantly on edge as a young male in that situation. And then you start to feel like you've figured out these ways to assert yourself, whether it's through your voice inflection or I'm cussing more than I should or whatever, to try to puff your chest a little and make sure that people, to give yourself a better chance of not getting messed with. Really, though, all the older people are like, just chill, little man, you know, and you don't get it, but that's your way of learning. You know, that's like Mm -hmm. the little cub trying to learn how to hunt with the mom right behind him. You know, you're, you're trying to figure your way out in this world and doing the best you can with it. And that was just my experiences. I, I felt like violence was always a possibility and eminent and, and Dude, well, you had to watch out for it. Where we grew up, it was like almost every other day someone was getting beat up like yeah i'm was, not trying to uh, say it was like gangsterville i'm not trying no, to say no, yeah. i'm not trying to say like oh from the streets and all that you know uh but it, no it's a real but, thing but it just felt like i mean you you had fights in high school all the time in in the 90s and now yeah. it's a whole different no tolerance policy and all that stuff that kind of started when i started to get out of yeah. high school was the no tolerance policy because i remember middle school kids would get into fights and like it would end before someone came and now it's like you can't even they have security guards everywhere teachers are ready to snatch them up and they both get in trouble whether or not one kid started the whole thing you know to bring the tangent back around i was just trying to bring it to to that's possibly why everyone was so hateful to skateboarders if i had a dollar for every time some dude yelled do a kickflip out of a big truck I could pay my rent for like three months. It's insane. Like that was so normal. I just, I just didn't like being called a fag. That shit drove me. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't even hear anybody say that anymore. Yeah, it was the jocks called me a fag in my mind. I'm like, yo, I'm like, you motherfuckers. You guys are in the locker. You guys got like 20 dudes taking a shower <laughs> together. Fucking slapping each other's asses yeah. before the game, dude. Like you calling me a faggot, dude? Like that's a funny thing. When I wrestled, uh, you would always get that. Oh, you like to roll around on a mat with a guy with his tights on. <laughs> when you wrestle, you're like, obviously, that's not what we're doing. Well, that's another. That's a good cool, point, though. Yeah. That's like what I'm saying is like they didn't wrestle and they didn't understand why you did it, yeah. and they were like, well, that's super gay of you to do. And you're like, really? Is it really that gay? It's you know not. <laughs> you know, it's funny. So in my time, the the jocks were the cool dudes right and uh that helped me i i felt like it bridged the gap a little for me to not get as much shit as i could because oh you snowboard you skateboard oh but you wrestle so a cool will kind of let it get a little bit of a pass yeah yeah. (laughs) i I really feel like i didn't catch as much shit from the main dudes because that was my way of getting to know them yeah um so they weren't giving me as much grief about it but the randoms yeah, for sure, all the time, and anytime you were out of there. Dude, of I that. always wonder, like, why, when you're in school, like, someone you've never talked to will just pick pick you out of a crowd, you know? Like, that's happened to me growing up, just, like, randoms. For me, it's because I'm ugly. <laughs> you know? Man. The weird thing was, for me, dude, is, like, I did move to Woodland Park, Colorado for a while, and it was, like, this super rich, like, town, dude, and, like... And I was like, oh, man, like, I had to go live with my dad. And 
I was like, fucking rich town, dude. Ballin'. Yeah, and I was like, the first thing I thought of was like, oh, it's going to be prep city and this and that, and everybody's going to hate me. And this was the weirdest town I ever been to because it was the exact opposite. Skateboarders were the cool kids. Like, I went to a party, dude, and all of a sudden it was like all these hot preppy chicks hanging out with the skateboarders and shit. And I was like, it was... I was like, all right, this is all too right, bad. Man. You guys were all fags. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, it's <laughs> too bad. Man, those were good times, though. But all right, man. Moving on. So, like, um, I guess really. So, so you started riding for Bird, and you're on a you know factory team rider, dude. And but you, you, I mean, you weren't making money yet. Like, when do you think you really like crossed that threshold and actually, you know, making money as a snowboarder? Uh, I made money from contests uh, way more than I ever made money from pay. I think that's what most people that grew up watching you know you from, is yeah. from, like, your contests. Yeah, I, I was lucky to be to have a mindset that, that um, was able to handle that pressure and, not, and to be able to kind of step up... Uh, and hit those buzzer shots, so to speak. Um, so I guess being from normal sports before I started doing that helped, maybe. Um, but yeah, I. Uh, what was the question again? It was. Uh, <laughs> when when did you crush that? Yeah. When oh, when yeah. did the threshold okay. happen? So uh, <laughs> you want to hear about my threshold? Yeah. Okay. What's your safe uh, word? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, I, so I would snowboard. I would, I, I went to a year of college here and worked at the shop part-time and tried to snowboard. So school full-time, work part-time, trying to snowboard constantly and realized at the end of that, that it was real difficult to do all those. And so I said, uh, mama, I'm a rolling stone. I got to go. And this opportunity only comes along once be rabbit will tell you that and I gotta go uh, so I worked at borderline I saved all my money I didn't go to school again in the fall um, saved up enough I went down to Tahoe and lived in a trailer with three other dudes in a, I think it was a single wide um, and and just snowboarded as much as possible I lived in a trailer park and snowboarded and I won a contest, a pro contest, still as an amateur kid at that point, and uh, made like a thousand bucks or twelve hundred bucks, and thought that was amazing. Uh, I was driving a car the size of probably the VHS camera that I had. <laughs> it was a Subaru Justy that had four wheel drive though, so I and I was happy as a clam, you know. Uh, it none none of that stuff mattered all that mattered was trying to get as good as possible and not for a goal of money or cribs or any of this shit that you you see in our culture at this point but i just wanted to be the best snowboarder i could be and i was in this new place that allowed me to uh, get those skills up a lot further and um, so i went through that year i came home i worked at the shop and that became a habit for about three or four years i would live about six months in Tahoe and I would work the other six months and then live as cheap as I could. And um, 
I would just save all my money. I didn't party. I didn't buy anything other than so stuff that's after. how you did it. <laughs> I didn't you buy anything didn't drink. <laughs> other than what I had at the shop. You know, if I needed jeans or shoes or something, I'd buy those through my discount at the shop, and that was it. And uh, then I snowboarded, and then in '96. They had the Burton U.S. Open, and I went out there because we had nationals around similar time, and I think I wanted to do the half pipe, but they were doing this new thing called Big Air. Really, it was tiny air. It was the most awful, ridiculous-looking thing that you could imagine. It was just this plowed-up mound about three feet high and then a gap of 20 feet or so and then another mound down, and it was just a gap. and. They said, I said, how do you get into that event? I want to jump and do that. And they said, uh, well, we've already got our pros picked for that, but you can write a letter petitioning to be in. So I sat down with pen and paper. I was like, what? I get a chance? <laughs> so you're saying there's a chance. Uh, so I started writing this heartfelt letter about, hey, I ride for Burton. This is one of my only chances to show them what I've got and, and let them see that I have skills and please let me in this event. And... Um, so I got in the event, and like I said, it was a joke of a thing, but I got like, uh, no, so this was 95-ish, um, and I got, uh, I'd have to look back, but like second or third, third maybe I tied or something like that. Anyway, that allowed them to say the next year, the next year was fucking ridiculous because then it went from this joke of a jump to full-blown what you would see. A real big air jump. Big air jumps. And that was 1996 winter and uh, 95, 96. And they let me do the jump. Um, I did the jump. I didn't place at all, but I did decently on it. And... um, so then the following year, they said, come on. Actually, I think it was that spring after the jump. I think that was the year Mac Dog was out there filming it. And he said, hey, you look good on the jump. Why don't you come back to Tahoe and give me a call? And so I called him. And uh, I think I might have one year mixed up here. But let's just say for the sake of it, that's that year. I came back. I got to shoot at something in the spring. I did a trick on a backcountry jump. Uh, it didn't make it into the movie. I think I made one shot in the credits, and then it made a trick into a video magazine. That set me off for getting to film. Oh, sorry. That set me off for getting to film with MacDog. The next year, I was at the U.S. Open again, and I won the Big Air. So I win the Big Air. That was five grand. Um, Woo! Yeah, back then, that's what you got. How much pizza did you eat? (laughs) So I didn't. I actually went that night staying by myself, didn't party, and I was flying out the next day. I went to McDonald's, celebrated with a full supersized meal, and then went to bed and got on a plane in the morning and left. That's how I rolled. Cheap as shit my entire time because I didn't care about any of that ball and stuff. I just cared about snowboarding. I was hyped that I did well amongst my peers, you know. Yeah. And uh, not my peers. Let's 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 get that straight. They were not my peers at that time. I was not. Uh, in my mind, I was not on their level. This was the first chance I got to say, "Whoa, maybe I could be on their level," you know. Um, yeah. And I think it was Peter Lyon and Jamie Lynn got second and third. And so I went from. 
I'm positive that fall I had watched those guys on Mac Dog movies and been like, oh, I want to learn that trick. I want to learn that trick. These are my heroes. To coming out there and winning this event as surprised as anybody that I won. And then um, those guys saying, good job, you did a good job, and going, whoa, I, I could be here next to these guys. You know, I'm no longer... Uh, Outside looking. Yeah, in. I mean, I, I still was a little bit, but... But I saw the potential to not just be on the outside looking in, yeah. and that was amazing. That's the summer I think I came home and was able to stop working, I think, at Borderline. I still wasn't getting a paycheck yet, so I won Burton U.S. Open Big Air. Still was not getting paid by them. So I had a travel budget. Who was you. getting paid back then? I don't know, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> um <laughs> they were like, dude, that guy used to yeah. wrestle. We're not going to pay yeah. him. That's <laughs> So I had a travel budget where you spend your money and then they give it back to you so you can travel and try to do stuff. And, um, but then that led me into an invite into the Summer X Games where they were doing these scaffolding type jumps where they chew up uh, I've seen the video of that contest. Yeah, snow. yeah. Oh, that's, the, that's the one you have in the exposure video. So I got third in that, and then it was off to the races. So then that following winter, uh, I go into the Winter X Games, and I win the Big Air there. So within about a year, less than a year's time, I won the U.S. Open and the X Games Big Air. And, uh, and then I think that's when I started to get a paycheck. What did they pay you back then? I think I started out with... I think it was three thousand dollars a month was my wage. i could kill it on three thousand <laughs> even today well dude i was balling like shit because uh because i i'm still in the mindset of i don't spend any money yeah i don't buy frivolous shit and i was now making money and i was winning money at these contests yeah uh, i got i think like 500 bucks a month from the goggle sponsor and so you put all that together, and all of a sudden, like I'm like, cool, dude, I have a bank account. <laughs> yeah. This is cool, and I don't have to go home and work. Now I can focus on just skateboarding and filming and doing that stuff. Um, I wish that they had online stuff and everything, because I would have yeah. taken an online class or two and continued that on, but that really wasn't happening much at that point still, so I was just kind of... And, of course, the age-old story of, all right, once it kicks in, you think it's not going to end. So, yeah. you know, you thought, cool. But realistically, I only had, like, two or three years. I only had two years where Burton actually gave me a paycheck. Yeah. And um, But, I would, like I said, I made a lot more on contests than I made on the uh, paycheck. And incentives. So, you'd get an incentive for winning a contest. You'd get an incentive for your video part. Yeah. Or photos or whatever. And that's how I was able to buy a house and do stuff like that on only two years. I stuff. feel like now it's still the same, even in skateboarding. It's where, definitely not the same. Well, I mean, I, <laughs> if you have a shoe that sells really well, yeah, it's probably great. But yeah. board sales, probably not so much. It's not going to be like so lucrative. And then if you win contests like Street League, X Games, things like that, like that's a sick ass paycheck. What did they pay? Fifty grand? Yeah, yeah for the uh, for the contest, if you win, if you win now then it's huge money yeah 
You know, like, I mean, obviously, Nyjah won three or four things, and he's a millionaire from Street League, right? So well, the first, the first Grand Prix, the first, like, uh, Super Crown that he won, it was $150,000, and then it was used to be 100 k or 150 k and then now it's down to fifty. But he's still, like, the amount of that he won, like, he is a millionaire from just those contests, yeah. not all the other stuff that he's done. Yeah, so, it, and... But nowadays, it's super hard to get paid. So, you, you, you know, that's why you've probably got more kids trying to be contest kids if they can. But yeah. when I was, I was, I was uh, as blessed as you could be. I got to do it in the best time when yeah. there could still be heroes in the sport where people were still could make a living. It's super hard. I talk to team managers now. There's almost nobody really making a living without working another job in the summer and that we're talking about good dudes mm -hmm. there's so many good snowboarders now and i mean people putting out lots of content well danimals he builds houses yeah in the summer and there's <laughs> all kinds like of that. people that are amazing snowboarders that can't rely solely on and he's got a pro model boot and he has a, he has had two boards now and he still works in the summer because he has to yeah I mean, you can just thank the internet for that. The yeah. internet killed stars. It killed heroes, is what it did. Constant, nonstop content at your fingers whenever you want it killed heroes. We talk about that in the second episode, yeah. how it like it gets lost in a timeline and it just kind of fades. You know, it's like, what's new? What's next? What's next? What's next? You don't hold on to like. I remember all the old videos I used to watch. Like trilogy in bloom, like every trans world video, and I would like watch them on repeat for entire summers, and just like that's all I, and I idolize those guys like more than any of the dudes today. Like I don't really idolize anybody like how I used to when I was young. Everyone's replaceable now. All yeah. it takes is is uh, open up your phone, and whoever you like the most is pretty easily replaced. And it's sad. It's sad that if Nyjah blows his knee out and never films another thing, I mean, is is anybody going to be like, man, I can't believe there's no more Nyjah footage, you know? I mean, we'll He's arguably wonder. the most hated skateboarder. Yeah, fuck all those guys. <laughs> They're stupid. They just, you know, like, what that does is that helps people feel more core about themselves. Yeah. Like, oh, I want, and I know Dylan's like, Man, I'm trying to hate right now on him. Man, what but the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know about none of that. No, but, uh, you know, I, just, <laughs> I we have our opinions, and it's cool to get to be a fan of it, too. Oh, I like this guy's style. I don't like that style. I don't, you know, this, that, or the other. Um, but realistically, if you're trying to not acknowledge the uh, amazing talent, again, if you think, then Nigel's been doing this since he was a pipsqueak. You yeah. know, as yeah. small as you can get, and he was crushing it. To try to question that guy's heart and soul and dedication to skateboarding, you're an idiot. That's why you work uh, in a dish pit instead of being a skateboarder. Because you're focused on that. You're focused on hating instead of focused on skating. Yeah. That is not meant to be a Dr. Seuss moment. No. <laughs> well, I mean, people, it's funny when people can't appreciate the skateboarding they only focus on the things they don't like about the skateboarder like yeah, yeah i don't give a here. shit if he wears pants that are tight and wears sleeveless hoodies it's amazing the shit that he does is so amazing yeah it's or even like i had a friend that i'm not even gonna say his name but he doesn't like tiago limos mm -hmm. for some reason he's like well, fucking wears baggy pants and fucking 
does these and I'm like are you serious yeah you don't like a guy that can literally pop shoulder high ledges and skate almost anything it's insanity you know what I somebody once said that I have found to be super true is that nobody more successful on me has ever thrown hate my way Oh, that's you know, true. And if you think about that, uh, it, it's it's pretty true. So when you are hating all over somebody, think about, are you more successful than they are? Mm-hmm. Probably not. It's never because the case, probably. you're focused on hating. You're focused on worrying about all that crap. Instead of focusing on building something, you're focused on tearing it down. Obviously, we know the clown that tries to troll our... Uh, God, dude, I always shot. forget about that guy. We don't need guy. to talk about who it is or anything, but this person trolls like five or six people or whatever. So yeah. when you think about it, this person has at least five to ten people he follows. Every day he's looking at their stuff, combing through it, hoping for content so he can hate on it. That's his day. Do you wonder why he's sitting at home? Doing that kind of his biggest accomplishment is gonna be like, look, I zing this guy, haha, ha, I got you, sick burn. Do you think that's gonna make my store shut down? Do you think no, that's gonna yeah. make somebody stop doing <laughs> motivational speeches for a living? You know that. You know. Do you think that any of that stuff's gonna happen? No. And you're not gonna get anywhere because you're focused on hating something instead of building something. And it's. It's just funny. Nobody more successful at you is ever going to be hating on you. I, I push it so far to the back of my mind, and until someone brings it up, I forget completely. That's how unimportant that kind of stuff no, is. It's super unimportant. It's it's a exercise in being pathetic. Yeah. You know, and, and all I'm trying to get across with it is you think you're being funny and stuff. Well, A, it's not even funny because, I mean, I can take a good roast uh, you know, I can appreciate a good roast, but it's not even really good. And two, you're you're focusing all your attention and energy on trying to break something instead of trying to build something. And where is that going to get you? Yeah. It's not going to get you anywhere. Nobody's going to look at you and go, "Dude, you're the meme king." Uh, you know, <laughs> maybe if you're in high school now. You know, I mean, oh, your memes are so sick. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, so it's the sick, one with the bro. frog Pepe no, is awesome. Even so, there's so many things you don't realize when you're young <laughs> that you think are are yeah. so meaningful. Yeah. And they won't mean shit. <laughs> the people won't mean shit. None of it'll mean shit. If they're hating on your stuff, they're not gonna be in your life two, three, ten years from now. They'll just be a if they're lucky, they might be a memory. But that's yeah. it. And we tend to focus on them as though you know, when, I, when you're in high school, you're like, oh, this kid I beefed with. Oh, my gosh, this is awful. This is the end of the world. And, you know, every, the sky's falling. And that person won't be in your life in two years when you graduate. You'll never know about them again. That's it. Most and, of the time, they don't even remember the stuff they did. Like, yeah, There's I mean, people I'm friends with now that did really shitty shit to me yeah. when I was a kid. And, like, they don't remember it it the same way you know like it doesn't matter it doesn't matter now yeah but it's like you know it happened like you're saying it's a memory of like what it was well i mean i'm kind of transitioning into um a little bit of motivation for the younger generation to not take things as seriously as you think they are when you get into a tiff with your friends or you get into this or you think this is the end of the world it's not the end of the world those people 
if they haven't been positive in your life, they won't even be there yeah. later on. You know, I was a, I was not cool at all in high school or anything. And five years later, after that, I was this guy who's who walked back in front of these people who wouldn't give me the time of day. And now you're dope. And was like, hey, <laughs> cool, this guy won the X Games and stuff like that. You know, not... Please don't... Why do we have to temper everything with these things? But I'm not saying that's the end-all, be-all of anything or that that made me cool. What I'm saying is I followed my dreams when those people ended up just working a shitty job and hating their lives. They got to have their 15 minutes of cool in high school, didn't want to give me the time of day because I was nerdy uh, and into skateboarding and wearing huge pants and stupid stuff like that. You should bring those Um, back. (laughs) And it's already happening. But anyway, I thought that that was something that I wished, you know, like, oh, I wish people would have been nicer or I wish, you know, like girls would have given me five minutes of their time or whatever at that time. But really, you just keep pushing forward and your shit will happen. And those people who focused on thinking they were too cool for everything are going to get stuck. Dude, it's, I mean, I've seen it in my life. I went to my 10-year reunion thing a long time ago, and it was wild. Like, in Fairbanks, when I was growing up, it was, if you were a baseball player and you were really good, like, that was the cool kid. Like, they were really fucking cool. And there's, like, some dudes that I was always like, man, I wish, you know, they got the hot chick and they got the cool truck and they got, and they're so cool. And then, like, 10 years later, I'm just like, dude, you look tore back like a floor jack. What happened, you know? Like... It's just insane to think that, like, that can happen so easily, you know? Like, those are the people that would, like, shit on you the most, and now it's like nothing might happen after that, you know? It's wild. Maybe it's just skateboarders, I feel like. Moral of the story, kids, is focus on what you want and don't be distracted because you'll get there if, if that's the kind of energy you put into it. Yeah. I mean, I'm not trying to be a bumper sticker here, but... Really, I mean, just where do you want to put your energy? What matters to you? Is it going to matter to you that you went to a sick party 10 years from now? Or is it going to matter to you that you got a shot because you worked for that thing and you skipped the party and you made that happen or got sponsored? Or, you know, sponsorship doesn't even matter. Who cares about that? What matters is, did you get that sick pow day because you got up early, you went to bed early, you you skipped the party uh, and all that? Or... Are you hung over and you missed those sick days with your friends and having a good, meaningful day out with other people, other yeah. human beings and socializing and interacting in something that you're passionate about? Or are you going to clown off and let these things distract you from that? Yeah. What's going to mean something to you 10 years from now? Yeah, that's accurate for sure. I guess it has to go in with like, people having pride and stuff i feel like a lot of young kids are fairly cynical in that sense where they don't really take any ownership or pride in a lot of things that they do and that's just speaking from experience i deal at the shop with a lot of young kids you know and it's like there's good kids and there's kids that just don't give a shit really they're like it's whatever like i don't care and you're just like you should care you should care a lot because these next like five years of your life are gonna make or break what might happen down the road it's developmental to your to your life you know where I did get the luckiest, I think, is um, other than having supportive family that were 
constantly said, oh, you can do whatever you want to do. Uh, um, the luckiest I think I ever got was that I was passionate about something. You know, I see so many other people that just don't have passion towards anything. They're wandering around lost, trying to figure out what to, they want to, they want something to come in and take them over the way skating and snowboarding did for me. Yeah. And, and if that doesn't happen for them, if they're trying to figure it out and they don't stumble upon that thing, then they get drifted off into other things that might not be good for them or might just lead them to an unhappy life. Mm -hmm. So I got super lucky in that I stumbled upon something that, that I could be super passionate about. Yeah. Well, I mean, if it wasn't for me, like picking up a snowboard, like asking for one, I wouldn't have even started skating. If it wasn't even for skating, I wouldn't be here right now. My life could have been totally different. Like who's to say what would have happened? You know, it's that that probability. So it gives you like gave Probably me the some Craigslist stuff. Yeah, you know the back page. I need a cuddle. That's Dylan actually. He likes cuddling. He's a good man. I feel I feel the same way, dude. If I wouldn't have found skateboard, I would have been down a whole different path. Because when. When I started skateboarding, I was a, probably a low, one of the lowest points of my life. I was living in and out of a car with my mom, homeless, dude, and I felt alone. I didn't understand what was going on, and and I got a skateboard, and that just, like, it gave me a whole other thing to put my faith into, dude. And, and I, <clears throat> I never got sponsored or anything like that, dude, and, like, but I'm, it's still, I feel like it changed my life, and I'm, I'm still going to keep doing it every single day. And I still love it, dude, and, and I'm passionate about it. And, and I don't know, man. I think I think I think we fall in love for these things for a reason, dude. Like, that's a that's a testament to like what I said, you know, like how it's like it's unlike anything else, you know. I played sports, and it's like you can't explain it to a normal person. Why, like, why do you want to like go out and try? to jump on this rail over and over and over and over again and it's like you just can't explain it to him to a cop to somebody a business business owner at the place you're skating to like your friends that don't skateboard like they just don't understand why you want to keep doing it and it's like i'm past that point too you know like it's like i'm not gonna go pro and it's not gonna happen but that's not why i do it you know i all i think even like today I was thinking about skateboarding for like an hour because I just like want to skate so bad no matter what. Like I'm thinking like I thought maybe I could shovel my uh, my uh, road on my on my street because it's all slushy and like if it doesn't snow again it'll be just dry enough to where I could like do some flat ground out front. And that's like that's the love for it is like any by any means necessary I will try to skateboard. And that's like a lot of kids in town, I feel like Alaska, like they go to Ninth and K, which is like not the craziest place to skate and it doesn't have much, but it's like go ahead all and bleep that out. I'm not trying to blast that place up. Well, everyone knows it's they actually put a sign yeah, they put a sign up there that basically states that we can pretty much skate there. The security guards just go, Hey, just go and come back, you know. Like they're pretty cool about it now, but it's uh that's like a testament to how much skateboarders give a shit about skateboarding because you'll go to a parking garage at 30 degrees below it's like below the point of freezing and you're still out there for five hours like trying to skate no matter what that's a testament to how much greater they see having skateboarders in their spot than tweakers which is yeah (laughs) yeah 
Yeah, that's you can't you can't. It's not normal. I think you know, like normal people don't get it. So, it's not just here either. I remember being. 13 years old in Fairbanks doing that shit, except it'd be like 20 bucks. Oh, the cop garage? The cop garage. Yeah, the cop garage the was The federal dope. building, dude. And I don't know. Dude, that was the best. Yeah, I would do the same thing because I lived two blocks away. And I would go there with, like, gloves, long johns, the whole thing. And I, like, my MP3 player, I would have about 20 minutes before the battery died because it was so fucking cold all the time. <laughs> and you just skate that curb and the, then the ledge, like the drop ledge. See, that's why I got into snowboarding, because then I didn't, I didn't feel like, oh, I have to go out and put myself in this miserable spot to skateboard. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, I could, I could distract myself from that with snowboarding. I could make that my winter thing. And then as soon as it started to melt out, cool, we're on the skateboard. You're like the polar op. Like, I started snowboarding way before I started skating, and then when I started skating, it was like, that was what I was, like, really obsessed with. And I still love snowboarding, like, more than any other thing in my life besides skateboarding. But it was like, I'd always, even when I'm snowboarding, I'm like, God, I just want to skate a ledge or something. I just want to go roll on the concrete, you know? Like, it's not, they're so, like you said, they're so different they're not the same thing but you can like have the similarity and enjoy it the same type of way yeah man. all right man so i feel like so pretty much like i guess so like video killed the radio star mm-hmm. the internet killed the video star true like i mean what do you think your feelings are about like everything now because i remember like in like in 96 dude you guys like started making these borderline videos and, and and it's like you said like borderline was like to me it was like that was that was that was alaska that was alaska skateboard and snowboard culture right there and i loved every little bit of it back then dude and like 100 percent came out dude and just i wore the shit out of that video dude all day long man and like and I, I just wanted to be part of that so bad, dude. And, and it, it kind of sucked up in Fairbanks because I think, like, our, our borderline location in the Bentley Mall actually shut down for a while. So I was like, you know, when I, when I feel like I was really starting to, like, peak in, like, my younger years of skateboarding, like, that shut down. And, and I don't know, that was a real bummer for us. But then, like, right as I was moving, like, I moved to Colorado, and right as I was moving away, the Weedmeyers decided they were going to open a location, and they ended up opening a Safeway location, I guess. And Well, wasn't it, it was in the annex, and then it was in the mall, and then it disappeared and went to the other side of town, right? I don't remember. It was so long ago, but I just remember being so bummed out that, like, that it shut down in Fairbanks, dude, and I, I didn't get that chance to actually experience would have been like to be on that team i mean and i felt like i was right there too because like right before i left like that's when the dudes started like bringing me under their wings like skating with like jeremiah gold and and brand shock and like i don't know all those guys dude and but like i don't know man it was just such a good time in my mind dude and and now i don't feel like that passion is there for skateboarding anymore but especially like not up here i do feel like you're trying to bring it back with with the shop dude and it's and pretty much it's around everywhere in alaska like some places it's not as like uh, prevalent but in fairbanks just speaking from my own experience there is not a whole lot going on there right now for skateboarding they're like trying but it's just 
there's not much. It's not like how it used to be. Because I remember you could show up to the park, to John Weaver, and there'd be like 50 people skating the park. And now that place is a ghost town. No one will go there, you know? It's like rare to get people to go skate. You know, and there's really good skateboarders from Fairbanks, which is the crazy thing. Like, there's super talented skateboarders. Gary is probably, I think, one of the best skateboarders out of Fairbanks ever, you know? And it's it's crazy, like, that there's not anything to facilitate there, like, to get them up to that next point, you know? Yeah, I th- it's just a different interaction. It's a different... Uh the way you encounter skateboarding or snowboarding is different now than 15 years ago. And, and that time frame when we were doing borderline videos and stuff, your interaction with those sports and those products was typically through your local board shop. And then we went through a lull where that wasn't the case. The internet came in strong. The big box stores came in strong. The local shops did not I think they took for granted um, the situation they had, mm-hmm. you know, um, and and just you have an evolution. I would imagine that the earliest skaters say the same thing. I think the nature of our beast that we do is going to be constant change. Unfortunately, that change has also bled into how you actually approach doing these things so some of the people that listen to this will say nah that's just your head well I'm not talking about me I still try to uh, encounter it the same way what I'm talking about is the kid who just started a year ago what he sees when he goes to the park or he goes to a skate jam or he goes to a store in the mall or whatever is a completely different encounter with skateboarding or snowboarding than I had than you had um, that the kid that started 10 years ago has. Yeah. And um, I don't think we'll ever get it back um, just because, you know, the nature of technology and, and everything is moving forward and, and continuing to bust open this door that holds behind it all these things we don't like about mm-hmm. it. Um, it's cool to get these things on your phone, but you, you got a generation of kids that grew up not knowing local shops, not seeing any value in them, and uh, encountering mall stores and all, and encountering the phone from day one. Um, all these solitary activities. You know, the phone is supposed to make you feel really connected to everything, but really it's an isolating thing. You, you just know, disconnect you, from... As soon as you yeah. start just staring at your phone, when you when all you have to do is be around a group of of five skaters or snowboarders at any given time when you go to eat or something and you look down and there's five people looking at their phone and the a lot of times the interaction you get is hey look at this it's not as much of this forcing people to communicate constantly with each other and form more of a tighter bond I, I, I'm not trying to say that kids don't have a bond with each other I'm not trying to say any of that I'm just saying it's way different now and having grown up in one point in time there's no way I can fully understand what's happening right now because that's not my experience and there's no way that those kids will understand what I went through all I can try to do with the shop is take the positive philosophies the the general principles that we saw and try to put them in front of these kids 
and see which ones will gravitate to it. Try to present them with an environment that is is um, bringing people together rather than separating. You know, we try to do events that make people feel included. You know, so we've talked about this the shop and stuff before. Skateboarding, when, when, those, when you were talking about Dylan, people, why did they hate us so much? Well, at that time, we were okay with being hated. We didn't necessarily like it, but we were like, cool, you don't like us? I don't care. Circle the wagons. These people think we're okay. They're the kids who skate with us every day. Cool, we circle the wagons and we defend each other from those outside hate, uh, hate mongers, whatever you want to call it. You know, there's that... Those people trying to tear down what you're doing or say you're lame or not let you feel good about doing what you're doing, right? So you, you said, cool, this is my group of skaters, this is my group of snowboarders, whatever it is. We don't care what you think. Then as time went on and skating became the cool way of dressing and the cool thing to do and all of that, well, all of a sudden now all those kids that didn't necessarily have the wherewithal to get through the gauntlet of what it took to be a skateboarder. Now, we went through that stuff and we hold it with pride. Now it's a badge of honor. Like, hey, we made it through the tough times. We made it through the hate. We made it through the name calling. We made it through the uncool, no girls want to talk to us time. We made it through all that. And now we wear this badge of skateboarder or snowboarder proudly. And then you feel like you want to protect that now. Now all of a sudden you feel like you want to be exclusive like oh now we're cool cool you can't be a part of us anymore that's good you know i mean i felt that i felt that but the problem is is then what you have you done now you've turned into the jock now you've turned yeah. into somebody who says you can't be part of the cool party anymore that's the part of skateboarding right now that i yeah. don't like at all it's like somehow we end up people end up becoming the jock that they didn't like by doing that seclusion and they're like segregating everything into different you know and it doesn't make sense it rolls back to the hating on stuff the judgment of everything and i've just gotten over it you know like i I wanted to act so most recently i wanted to act that way towards longboarding because i felt like i don't care if you longboard but don't call yourself a skater because i went through hell to be called a skater and i wear that proudly now um, after 30 years of doing it, I wear it proudly. But then I realized, like, dude, who am I to be saying anything to somebody who wants to roll sideways down the street? Good for them. You know, just because they don't do the part of skateboarding that I think is meets the cool criteria, fuck me for being that guy. You know, so I had to reel my own shit in and say, dude, don't be that. Don't be what you hated uh, in people. Don't be what made you feel uncomfortable and awful. And so we just try to run things around. We try to bring that back. I, I, as much as I was nonconformist and middle finger to the world when I was in high school, teenage kid, and say I didn't care about anything, or not, sorry, not anything, but I didn't care about the outside cool stuff you still are longing to be a part of something and borderline formed this scene that was okay with accepting my nerdy ass into it and allowed me a place where i felt kind of safe and could flourish 
and feel confident. And that's what you need as a teenager growing up. You need a pl- something where you can not constantly feel beat down and berated. And that environment gave that to me. And so now what I'm trying to do when you say that we try to uh, be inclusive of people, well, that's what we're trying to do. I'm trying to now create this new thing that kids may not have ever been aware of uh, because they had no real local shop and say, hey, dude, it doesn't matter if you are not good at this or you're just interested in it or whatever. Come on in because maybe you'll find your safe place. Maybe you'll find your spot inside the wagons to feel comfortable enough to flourish to be a skateboarder or a snowboarder forever. It, the goal is not to be good at the stuff. Um, maybe that's your personal goal. But the goal in, in when you start skateboarding isn't like, cool, I want to make it into the cool club. It's just to get to do it. You know, I just want to do it. I just want to go out and I want to feel fun and, and good times and I want to smile and be stoked on stuff. So we try to make this environment where you're not constantly the cool police telling people like, you didn't do it right, you didn't do that right. Yeah, I love Grosso and, and Love Letters and the rules of skateboarding. Oh, That's cool. I almost commented but, on his Instagram. But, he, you sh- but you shouldn't feel like you can't come and be a part of it because you don't live by the rules of what some crew of five kids who uh, are talented but will never get anywhere because they want to focus on hating on stuff tell you is cool or not. Yeah. You know? So forget that if you're a kid who wants to skateboard or snowboard just come to the shop ask all the questions you want our people will never give you a bunch of grief about that will never be mean to you about it because i want you to be stoked to go sideways through life you know grosso had that episode where he rags on people that push mongo now you guys may not know this, but I, in fact, pushed Mongo at one point in my life. That's why I throw down my board with the wrong hand. Dylan did it, too. You pushed Mongo, too, for a while. Oh, there's video proof of Yeah, me. so uh, it's funny because he went on, like, a 13-minute or 15-minute, like, tangent on, like, people that did it and, like, how he used to. And then uh, there's a video of his daughter ripping Mongo, and he's, like, super stoked. And I'm like, well, as a dad, that's rad that she's, you know, but how can you talk so much shit on people that do it and then like not even like and then like not say anything about it when it's your own your he's own starting he's starting a dialogue and yeah he's, he's openly said like hey man these are just my thoughts you know if it, you don't i mean he doesn't said, mean shit he says yeah. it it doesn't mean shit it's just my take on stuff don't get so serious about yeah. it don't get your panties in a bunch we're just talking shit and that's cool i mean I mean, I love his show too, but it's just hilarious. That was like funny yeah, to me. I mean, I think it's great. I love it. And yeah, I broke the rules all the time and yeah. whatever, but I don't give a shit. I just wanted to do the stuff and I'm not going to put that rule on some kid. You know, yeah. I mean, we all have our thoughts on stuff, but I'm not going to push that out there to make some kid bummed that he even went out and skateboarded one day. Yeah. You know, and if you do that to people, then you can go to hell. You're not really a skater. You're a, you're a piece of shit that doesn't 
think about other human beings, you know? So, yeah, that's my opinion on that. <laughs> if you want to push Mongo, push Mongo. I, I mean, I, I would I, definitely... I, I benefit <laughs> I had, from that shit. I could, I could skate faster switch than anybody. Well, in and actually, I was so. going to say, it helped me because then when I started to try and skate gaps and stuff switch, I could throw down with the right hand to the right foot way yeah. faster than somebody who did it with the left hand and did switch Mongo. There's definitely good reason to not push Mongo. I had to train myself to not push that way because I wanted to do gaps with short run-ins and all that stuff. It definitely looks better to not push that way. <sighs> When I see kids do it, I try to teach them, like, hey, man, it's not anything other than your skateboarding can be helped by pushing the other way. So let's look at it that way, not like you're a fucking nerd because <laughs> you do this. You know? I got shit on super yeah. hard, and that's why I quit yeah. doing it because I was like, I got kicked out of the park, and they were like, no, oh, you can't skate today. Push my. I was like, God damn it, dude. So I had to, like, learn for, like, so long. I had to retrain myself yeah. to push the other way. But yeah, I I mean, it is what it is. I mean, it's just funny that like skateboard, like to me, skateboarding, there really isn't any rules. It's about your interpretation of what you want it to be. So like you could take, like I always say, you can take five skateboarders, put them at a spot and they're going to skate it, look at it completely different. It's what you want to do at the place on your skateboard. But then it's funny when, you know, you think about all the semant, all the rules that this, you know, the sacred rules, like don't mall grab, don't push Mongo, like don't do this, don't do that. And it's like, well, is that not like the philosophy of it to begin with? Like, so, but a lot of that rule, those rules are based in style and style matters. So it's good to have those as a base to work from, mm -hmm. but you don't need to take some kid who's been skating a month and bombard him with a bunch of bullshit that makes him bummed on skateboarding. Yeah, you for know? sure. You just, I mean, if anything, we should be outlawing jeans with bedazzled crap on the back of it rather than worrying about uh, how how they do their kickflip. Yeah, that that in camo pants with five different colors. I don't like those either. <laughs> you know, that's what happens when people get so good at something that there's no longer a, you know, like you run out of things to worry about because they've gotten so good at everything that they have to start going back and messing with all this stuff that was taboo before. Yeah. You know, oh, you can't do this kind of trick or that kind of trick or you can't wear this stuff or whatever. And you're like, oh, dude, I already know how to do every single trick there is. So I'm bored. Let's move on and mess with something else. Let's have some fun. I mean, we had a video steezing for no reason because whatever, no reason. You know, let's just have some fun with it. Let's yeah. not take it so serious. You know, just get over yourselves. It's just calm down, have fun, make people feel stoked about it. Because somebody let you feel stoked about it. Well, yeah, I was that little kid that went into the shop and had no fucking idea what I was doing, you know? like The only thing I wish was <laughs> that we had the room without the helicopter parents to be a little bit more tough love about etiquette. I wish that there was that because you got these kids who want to make sandcastles in the bottom of a bowl. You should uh, hire Josh Jack. Thomas. He's really good at that. You want to you want to do that, and then you say like, "Hey, can you move?" And they go, "What? Did you say you were going to touch me inappropriately?" Oh, cool. My dad with face tats is going to go over here and stick you. you know? Well, <laughs> that happened to me and Josh Thomas. I know. At that's what I'm was, talking about. It's, well, it's he didn't have face tats, but he he's the, the, the guy at Russian Jack does the kid. The kid, all we said was, hey, 
you gotta wait your turn and there's like an order to it right and he goes home and he says to his dad these two guys said that they were gonna beat me up with their skateboards at the park so we left not even remotely close to what had happened yeah and the dude comes ripping up with like his homie and he's just ready to just wreck whoever it was that said that to his kid and then when he gets there he kind of like we start talking to him and he kind of realizes like oh shit like these are like you know late 20s early 30s dudes that really aren't doing that and i was like yeah like why would i tell your kid who's seven years old i was gonna yeah, beat him with a great. skateboard like what good does that do me come on dude like it's it was just trying to tell a kid to keep their head up when they're skating so they see who's coming because hey guess what i weigh 130 pounds more than you you're yeah. gonna lose if we run into each other and then the parents go wild and you're like i just i came in that time where there was no kid gloves on when you were taught etiquette you know it was a little bit harsher yeah me neither and, I, and you know like that's a little contradictory to what i'm saying I, I want you to be welcome into skateboarding, but I also want you to understand that there's there's etiquette at the skate park so that everyone can use the spot and we should be able to not have to say, hey, can we have a safe zone talk here about this? You should be able to be like, hey, wait your turn. Get the fuck out of the way. Don't sit there. Uh, stuff like that without hurting everyone's feelings and without parents coming in raging. Yeah. Without kids feeling like they're alienated because of it, they should, you know, that's the only place where I wish we could be a little bit. Uh, well, I mean, I around the edges. I'm pretty like I'm pretty straightforward with most, especially at Russian Jack. Like the day I went there, and there was the middle school had brought all the kids over to the park, and instead of playing on the playground, there was like a fucking a hundred kids inside the inside the bowl. They were eating Jolly Ranchers. They gave them all Jolly Ranchers and there's like rappers all over the place and I'm like I just I almost pulled a Dylan. I started like uh, uh, started hyperventilating. I was like, who do I have to talk who's in charge here? And the little kid goes, That lady, right there and I go, Okay. And I go, This is not the playground, you know? Like I know that you're trying to like take them out and have fun and stuff and I get that but I come here to do this thing, you know, and this is what it's for. And she was really understanding of it. She was like, oh, I totally understand. I'll, we'll clean up the stuff and we'll leave. And like, usually it's like you're saying, it's not like that. It's like mama bear comes in and she's swinging for the fences. Like, don't yeah. tell my kid what to do. And it's awful. Dude, it's, <laughs> Dylan. People dude. don't understand. They actually like, when we lived down in Oregon, they actually did a, a planned field trip to the skateboard park. Yeah, I have a clip of it. I have a clip of it. Skateboard or, or a scooter or nothing, dude. It was just forty kids running around the skateboard park. Dude. We used to film edits at White City in Oregon, and me and Dylan, and I think it was Lenwood, and we went there to film Dylan do like a, some flip trick into a grind onto the the ledge, and we show up, and literally within five minutes, this bus pulls in, and it's literally a bus full of little kids, and they're just like, ah, running around the thing, and like, I was like, let's just try it, dude, we'll try and film it, and Dylan doesn't even try it one time, he, <laughs> we roll up, he rolls up, and ah, stomps his board, and like, freaks the, it's not playground, ah, and starts raging, and I was like, oh my god, dude, like, let's just get out of here, 
Yeah, it's crazy. I think it's just because, like, you know, going back to people who don't skateboard or snowboard or anything, they don't understand what the the skate park is for, right? So it's like it is a playground. It is like basically a playground to them. They're like, oh, this cool ramp and stuff, and you're like, that's really not what that's what the thing over there is for. Now we all know what every business owner felt like. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Why? This is. What do you think this is made for? Oh, I think it's made for skating because it's sick. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And they're like, yeah, that's why it has plants in it, dumbass. Keep moving. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's that's pretty true. Yeah, but it's that shit was the funniest though. I still have that clip on my phone or on my uh, old laptop of you freaking out at that skate park. <laughs> so good. I feel bad. Yeah, I don't feel bad. The best, the best it's one is when they. It's all perspective. The best one is the little girl that after I filmed that clip and of you and she grabs my fisheye lens with her greasy pizza fingers. She literally grabs my fisheye and Lucky goes. Her nails didn't scratch it. <laughs> oh, shut up! But you were so mean, dude. It was a, it was a I was like, girl. what are you? Was kind of he's like, he's like, this ain't a, he's like, this ain't a snack cake, dude. Like, what are you grabbing my lens for? This isn't a piece of food. Like, get. I was probably scarred that kid for life, dude. dude. It took me so long to get enough money to buy that that lens and I was like trying to not ever scratch it and it was like this kid just goes oh like straight into it's it too bad you didn't have a dollar for it one t- every time someone told you to do a kickflip I, I wish you got that lens easy yeah or a laser flip <laughs> stupidest question ever so unfortunately we are running out of time here I gotta get ready to get going to work but uh you have to go to work? Yeah. But we got to get you back on the show. I feel like there's just not enough time in the world to hear what you got to say, Jason. But it's an honor having you on the show today. I want to give a big shout-out to Blue and Gold Board Shop. Be sure you swing down there. All your skateboard, snowboard needs. Uh, shout-out to the 49th Supply Co. We got them on here. Shout-out to my unofficial sponsor, DC Shoes. Hook your boy up. I'm wearing your <laughs> shit. Got the shoes on right now. Get them at Blue and Gold Board Shop. They got the DCs down there. Hey, so. I want to. I want to say uh, thank you very much for having me on. Um, I obviously talk too much when I do talk, and you guys put up with it, and you uh, are kind enough to act like you want to hear it. And, <laughs> uh, and uh, so, yeah, I appreciate it. Um, it I'm just trying to make something positive happen here. It's not about me. It's about what we're doing here. And you guys are positive and you help promote that same thing, whether it's at the skate park, whether it's with what you're doing here, you're building something. And I uh, appreciate you letting me be in the same list of names as the people that have been on the show and being a part of it. So thank you yeah yeah well, no we, problem. we love having you on here man you've been a, a major part in my mind of oh no alaska skateboarding snowboard culture dude and we appreciate everything you're doing so just keep doing what you're doing too man oh shout out where would you find you Social media, location, all that stuff. Yeah, Old Seward Highway, Unit H, Suite 700. Yeah, and uh, we are just Blue and Gold AK on all social media. Just spell it all out. Um, so, yeah, uh, we do the tweets. We we work on the Facebooks. Wait, and, we have a Twitter. Uh, and we do the Instagrams. Um, we do a lot of events, so just, you know, if you... We just encourage you to come be a part of it. Be around other people that share the passions that you have. And that's what we're trying to facilitate. So um, 
check out our stuff come be a part of it you don't have to buy something just come in and hang out and be around other people so that you're stoked on being a part of the scene and that's it dude heck yeah all right y'all that's it for today uh we will be back soon with another episode so uh peace out from the far north podcast way up north to alaska way up north to alaska north to alaska